Join Mountainland Supply Wednesday from 10 to 2 for Customer Appreciation Day at the Megaplex Theaters and Vineyard. Free Mobetta's Barbecue, Swig, Cookie, Swag, and Prizes. Bring a can of food to donate to the Utah Food Bank. That's June 17th at the Megaplex Theaters and Vineyard. See mountainlandsupply.com for more details. PK, earlier in the show we were talking about the uh, the deal that leaked. You know, baseball's got a <clears throat> little labor issue going on. And the New York Post broke a story over the weekend that there was a uh, billion-dollar TV extension coming just for Turner, not for Fox, who has the World Series and uh, uh, League Championship Series and two division series and a bunch of regular season games. But just the Turner deal was going to be a billion-dollar deal. There were no terms of that. Well, of course, once that comes out, you know everybody who covers baseball is going to start digging in for the money. And I think this, even if you don't like baseball, this impacts the NBA, the NFL, college football, all the stuff we're talking about restarting uh, right now. The, so uh, Sports Business Journal, John Arendt, uh, says that uh, he's just tweeted this out this morning. The Major League Baseball Turner deal is worth $470 million per year through 2028. That's a 40% increase. In the playoffs, Turner gets a league championship series, two division series, one wild card game, and their weekly Sunday afternoon regular season game is going to move to prime time probably on a Tuesday night. That's $470 million per year. I think it kicks in with the 2022 season. If that's true, that's a seven-year deal, and that's worth, I don't know what that is, $3.3 billion or something like that. And they've still got the Fox package to go, and in baseball – Every team's local broadcast deals with 162 games on regional sports networks, those tend to be really valuable too. So if you want to write an obit for baseball, don't write it until at least 2028 because the money's coming in (laughs) through 2028. You know, after that, whatever you want. It's a dying sport. But through 2028, rolling in the cash. And when you hear those numbers and you wonder why might – baseball go or why might uh, baseball play a 50 game season and put the world si- and then put a playoff and put the world series on why might basketball go to florida why are college football in the nfl no matter what issues pop up grinding and try to figure out a way to kick off on labor day weekend well in the case of the nfl a little after labor day weekend those numbers right there that baseball deal 3.3 billion for one of their two national tv packages for 7 years no wonder. Uh, yeah, I mean, who who thinks that, though, these sports aren't making money hand over fist? Well, that's what the owners tell us. I mean, the Cardinal owner, St. Louis Cardinals owner, came out and said, I know his, his team's worth ten times what he paid for it, apparently, but uh, they're not making money hand over fist. Maybe not day to day, but go ahead and sell the team if you can't afford it, and there you'll make it. And there are very few teams for sale. I think, and I think that is the single biggest sign that owning a major league franchise is a very lucrative deal, is that nobody's selling. I mean, it's just so rare, and when it happens, there's usually extenuating circumstances. I mean, how many NBA teams have sold since uh, Sterling uh, Balmer bought the Clippers for $2 because the NBA forced Sterling to sell? But how many other teams have sold in the last decade? I mean, it's very rare. Yeah, I don't think that the average sports fan really gets into that. They just get turned off by that. They start talking money. No one is a sports fan because of money. 
people are athletes and coaches and owners because of money. But fans, I don't see any of that money. What difference does it make to me? I'm not into, I'm, I didn't become a sports fan. When you're 8, 9, 10 years old, you're not interested in any of that stuff. And that's when you're usually your sports fandom starts to blossom and starts to grow is when you're a youngster. And at that point, you're just caught up in whatever the game or games that are being played. And at least for me, I've become immune to that. And if they want to strike, strike. I don't take sides. I don't care. You want to come back? Come back. I'll pick you up when you come back. At least people make these definitive statements. That's what drives me nuts. I'm out. No, you're not. I know. Because if you're out, you're not going to tell us you're out. Well, how it's many? Just, you're just going to go away, right? And and how many of those email, text, tweets have we seen just about our show over 18 years? I mean, people love to say that. They love to make definitive statements. They think it's it's going to separate them. Everyone wants separation in life. It's like I told you. What kind of music do you like? Oh, I like all kinds. BS. <laughs> No, you don't. You just think that's what people want to hear because that makes you sound cool and so open-minded and so just uh, renaissance. I'm not a renaissance man. No. <laughs> PK sitting around listening to jazz on a Saturday night. Some smooth jazz. Actually, I did listen to, I, I listened to jazz a lot when I was in college because it was something that you could listen to while doing homework and not being distracted. And I liked it. And ah. if I can't sleep... I actually turn on some of that. Set a mood, but no lyrics to engage your brain? And there was a, a, a I think uh, it was a couple of weeks ago, we come up on the second hole and playing golf, they, and a, a single hooked up with my wife and I, and there's some houses along the uh, second hole, third hole, I think it was, and they're, the houses are, you know, they're not more than 10 yards away from the tee. And they were playing jazz, and I get up there, and you can hear it. And I hit a nice shot. And I tell him, the guy says, yeah, that smooth jazz just relaxed me, allowed me to hit the ball very well. And he laughed. Uh, so uh, I, I'm not a big jazz guy, but I do have some background in that. And, and I think that people say, oh, I'm out. I, the, the NBA, man, it has just changed, and I don't watch it. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Because in order for you to say it's changed. You've had to be watching it. Which meant you watched it for a good length of time. And so I do think that these things that are going on, uh, and whether you agree with them or don't agree with them, I, I just don't think you can stay away for the long haul. And if you could stay away from the long haul, then you weren't really into it to begin with. It was temporary. Oh, that's interesting. You weren't really into it. It was. Uh, you it was, were into the statues, but you weren't into NBA basketball. And once the statues left, like when I was a kid, I loved Roger Stallback. So that made me, by extension, a Cowboys fan. Well, then he retired and. And it came to realization, I wasn't a Dallas Cowboys fan. I was a Stallback fan. And so when he left and retired, which they all do, I couldn't care less about the, the Cowboys. I don't root for them. I don't root against them. They play, and they play in a good game. And it's on Sunday night, and it's a good game. I'm going to watch it. 
But it doesn't matter to me whether Dak Prescott is the MVP or he gets replaced. I don't care. But I'm going to watch him. But when Staubach was playing, I was a diehard. I thought I was a Cowboy fan, but I really wasn't. And it's the same thing with the statues. Man, you rooted your heart out for them to win. Well, now they've been gone for a number of years, and you find that you're not nearly as interested. Well, that's because you're not a jazz fan in your heart of hearts. You were a Statues fan, and that's fine. But that's what you were. You weren't a jazz fan. Because if you're a jazz fan, it doesn't matter. I'm a Sun Devil fan. It doesn't matter who the coach is, who the players are. Like I told Todd Graham, and he got mad at me. When we were down in uh, L.A. I was a Sun Devil long before you, and I'll be a Sun Devil long after you. You're a Sun Devil now because it's where you're getting a paycheck from. And the same thing with Herm Edwards. I was a Sun Devil long before him. I'll be a Sun Devil long after him. Right? That's I'm a Sun Devil fan. I'm not a Jaden Daniels fan. I mean, I am now. In a couple years, I won't be. He'll go on. If he's good enough, he'll play in the NFL and whoop-de-doo. Good for him. Good for his family. Doesn't matter to me whether he plays in the NFL. I guess I would like him to play in the NFL because that would mean he would be good in college. But I'm not going to be a Jaden Daniels fan. I wasn't a Brock Osweiler fan when he bombed with with the Broncos. It didn't matter to me in the least. I don't care. When James Harden gets beat in the postseason, it doesn't matter. That's probably a bad example because I'm not a big college basketball fan for, from, from there. But the, 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 uh, you, know, you know what bothered me, DJ? Is this draft that we just had last week, they only had five rounds in MLB, right? Yep. Well, the Sun Devils had five of the first 100 picks, and there was no postseason this year. I know. This could have been the year. <laughs> yeah. They were stacked with talent. Yes. And, and the thing is, baseball's weird. You know, if you don't have the pitching – you don't win, and if you don't have the pitching on the day, you don't win. You know, you could. How many of those five were pitchers? Uh, I think maybe only one. I only have to one. go back and check. Yeah, uh, but that bothered me. That's how you know I'm a Sun Devil fan because that bothered me. Well, man, that sucked for them. They had five of the top 100 guys that were drafted, whether they turn out to be top of the, fi- the top five I and mean, the number one pick uh, of the whole draft. Yeah, but, but it see, seemed like they were set up to be pretty good this year. That's two and different that, things. Is those guys sucks. those guys excel in college? They wouldn't be picks. And if they bust in the pros, it doesn't mean they weren't any good. It just means they weren't any good in the pros. It could have been right. They got to be great in college. If you if you suck in college, you're not going that early. I mean, even if you're getting drafted on potential, you got to have some success in college. Yeah. So the people who are out and they say they're out of fill in the blank, they're usually mad in the moment. And I don't think that they're true fans of the team. I'm wondering how many Saints fans, or let's take uh, Texans, because you got J.J. Watt and Drew Brees. Now, those are big names. Baker Mayfield's sort of making his way a little bit. I don't think that He's there's not a there. lot of Cleveland yeah. Browns fans because of Baker Mayfield. Maybe he can be good. But what, is he going into his third year? you got to give him some time to develop, and we'll see. Maybe he just won't be as good, or maybe he'll be great. Remains to be seen. But Drew Brees and J.J. Watt, I mean, there's a lot of fans on, of those two players. Now, how many people were totally turned off by what Watt said this weekend? Or Drew Brees, they appreciated what he said, 
But then he apologized. It seems like he, he's setting the record uh, with apologies. It seems like I mean, he's still apologizing. He had at least two, if not three, apologies. We get it already. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, what's done is done. You said it. You apologized for it. To me, you didn't need to apologize multiple times. You apologized. I don't even know that you need to apologize. Some people say he didn't need to apologize, that he just said that he would stand for the flag. I read a thing. Uh, I saw an expert. I didn't read it. Somebody did a thing on David Shaw at Stanford, and he said he, some of his players want to do it as long as they do the research. Do the research. Have the numbers to back up what you're protesting. And if you want to kneel, know what you're doing. Just don't do it because it's the flavor of the day. Go ahead and do, he said be a Stanford guy. That really caught my eye. Be a Stanford guy. And what he meant was have some knowledge, have a ton of knowledge to know why you're doing. But they asked him about him. He says, I, no, I will not kneel. That's not me. That's not my way. I couldn't do it. Great. I, I, can't, re- I can't respect David Shaw even more. But he's going to allow his players to do it if that's, as long as they do the research. So are you going to be turned off by that? When J.J. Watt said what he said, Drew Brees said what he said, how many folks are really going to be turned off by it? And to the point of being, when I say turned off, I guess I should say where you're out. You're not going to watch the Saints. You're not going to watch Houston. Or you're not going to watch the NFL. Am I going to turn on the TV and see 35,000 people in the Superdome? Only if the Saints suck. Maybe not even then. I think they've got a pretty loyal fan base because they all, it's it's football's a big deal there, and they've had yeah, yeah. a long time with bad teams. Now they got Breeze; they've had a pretty good run with you know a good franchise now, but they're just not. And even if they are out, there's somebody to step in right behind him. You know, the Superdome's not going to be empty. There are other NFL games you you turn on, and you know there's a punt, and so you see who's in the stands. You're like, whoa, it's pretty empty there in Cincinnati these days. You know, you see that. But, man, in New Orleans? No, I don't think so. Houston's kind of interesting because they had the NFL, they lost it, and it came back, you know, rebranded the Texans, not the Oilers. And it's Houston, and there's money, and it's Texas, and football's a big deal, but they don't have the tradition that most NFL teams have. You know, it it feels a little bit like, I don't know, Jacksonville or Tennessee. You know, the old Oilers, ironically enough. You know, where's the tradition? I think Tennessee's building it. You know, it'll take a while. Jacksonville, not so much. I think if you're younger, Tennessee already has it. Um, you know, 20 years in, they've had some good teams. They've had playoff teams. Houston's kind of an odd deal. Uh, you don't have the long term to gauge it against. But, man, J.J. Watt, I mean, he's had a career. Big name and very yeah. personal. Did a ton for when they had the flood and all the disasters. Oh, yeah. And uh, really Went worked to social hard, media, yeah, yeah, and was out there and trying to do his best. I think he's married to a, a gal who went to Alta High School he here. He is, Kelly so Ojai. Got, got that local connection. How about how a, about let me throw this a at former you. Channel Two prep of the week. Hey, ah, you there you go. <laughs> you take a LeBron James, just a generational basketball player. Everyone agrees with that. Spectacular, but he's been very, very vocal. Uh, on social issues to the point where he said that it's 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 dangerous just to walk outside. His Twitter's out there. You can go look at it. So I'm paraphrasing that we're hunted every day. Speaking of black folk, hunted every day just being outside. It's That's how dangerous it is. Now, I happen to think he was making a point and he took it to the extreme. But nevertheless, some people took him literally. 
and some people, you know, just shut up and dribble. We heard about that a while back. We've really never had anybody like that on the Jazz. Not to that degree. No, we haven't. And what would it be? The best player in franchise history was running around voting for Republicans. I'm speaking of Carl Malone, right? So if Described you had the himself best, as, if you had as the, a country redneck. If you had the best player in the NBA who had multiple MVPs and multiple yeah. championships, and he said that, how would Utah react? That would be pretty interesting. Yeah. How would, it's, it, it's all conjecture. How would be because be you, It's all conjecture, you're right, because we really haven't seen anything that close to it. Oh, not even. No. No. I mean, and for, a, for a while, I don't think, as long as Jordan was in the league, he was the best player. Yeah. But Malone clearly was right up there with the best. I mean, the, the, remarkable. Even with a couple of playoff failures, had remarkable had a remarkable career. You would take that every time. You know, very few people you would take over Malone during the time that he played. Just less than a handful of guys, maybe. Uh, but he, he said stuff... About I'll never wear a jazz uniform again. And they just oh yeah, whatever. We all got over that in a heartbeat. See, see you in September, buddy. <laughs> you know you're there every day. Sloan <laughs> Sloan did him a lot of favors. Really set the stage with that when he was asked about this. I'm not worried about it. He'll be right. here. He'll be here when it's right. Time. And he was there. He's ready to go. Penciled yeah. in for '82, unless it was an extreme situation. And he did that for 20 years. Just remarkable. But he never really went against the. Not not uh, overwhelming community sentiment, but to a good degree, well, community sentiment. I mean, let's face it: most of the folks here that go to church in the Latter Day Saint Church are Republicans, and this is the way it is. We see right? it. Yeah, we see it in every election. Yeah, they talk about uh, diversity. Yeah, I live in a diverse neighborhood. I got some Mormons who went to church, some Mormons who don't go to church anymore. I got some Mormons who served the mission, some Mormons who didn't serve a mission. That's the diversity in my neighborhood. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's the world we live in here, right, by and large. So if you had somebody in here who came in and spoke wildly against the beliefs, how would they be, how would they be perceived? Would you, would you overlook it? Would you be a jazz fan? I mean, for me personally, I don't really care what LeBron say what he says. I'm not, I'm not, that, I'm not interested I mean, he has the right to say what he says. I'm interested in him playing ball. And once the ball goes up, he's trying to win. And that guy is a fierce competitor. And I've enjoyed watching him play all these years. And he's got a few years left. I'm going to sit back and I'm going to enjoy watching him play for if he's got three years, whatever he has left. So his political beliefs, I don't really care. But some people do, right? Because you've heard, I'm out. J.J. Watts said this, I'm out. They're allowing players to kneel in the league. I'm out. I'm not. I'm in. If you're an elite player, I think most people are in. If you're going to see empty seats, it's going to be Baker Mayfield because as good as he was in college, and he was really good in college, you know, he hasn't replicated that in the pros. It's early. He may, but if they're going to be empty seats in Cleveland, I don't think it's going to be because of what Baker Mayfield does during the anthem. It's going to come down to interceptions and touchdowns and wins and losses. Okay, but how about here locally? 
That's interesting. Donovan Mitchell got into it with some fans. Some fans he's, got into it with Donovan he's Mitchell. He's becoming more and more vocal. Yeah, he's becoming more and more well, vocal. Because, yeah, he's getting better. He's establishing himself. He's he's gaining credibility now. Yeah. Well, and I mean, what's happening? Trying to make the team. What's happening in the world is different than it was, you know, a year ago too. Uh, but you're right. I mean, he's coming up for the extension, and you know, he's. I mean, everybody thinks he's getting the max. Of course, he is. Right. He's that good. So it'll be interesting. Maybe this will be the test case. You know, is this kind of a, a one-off? He definitely had fans sticking up for him. Um, he had fans going after other fans. Well, what did he do? What, what, what was controversial? What am I missing? I mean, it just came down to the politics and social issues of the day. I mean, there are people who are really conservative who don't want to hear any of it. Well, what is he saying, though? What is he doing? I'll have That's to get – if I'm going to do this, I want to, I want to quote him. i got to find the exact quotes. Uh, DJ and PK, we'll get to that coming up. we got Steve Cleveland coming up at 9 o'clock. Bob Casper next. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daniel Berger wins the Charles Schwab Challenge on the first playoff hole, made a 10-foot birdie putt. Colin Morikawa lipped out his putt, and Berger takes on 1.4 million. Tony Finau tied for 23rd at 8 under. Zach Blair tied for 55th at 1 under. Keith Clearwater missed the cut. Finau scheduled to play this week at the RBC Heritage in Hilton Head, South Carolina. After nearly 100 NBA players participated in a call Friday night in which uh, Vice President Kyrie Irving made a case against resuming the season in Orlando in late July. Players Association Executive Director Michelle Roberts said players spent the weekend considering how the league's return might affect the Black Lives Matter movement. It's not a question of play or not play. It's a question of how does playing, again, harm a movement that we absolutely, unequivocally embrace. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. Effective communications for 21st Century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. You know I was babysat until 8th grade. Dolores Arnold used to babysit me every day after school. And Dolores? Her husband. Yeah. Look how you got like 220-pound 8th grade hands. Well, Can we not focus on that? You walk in like, hey, Dolores. Hi, Hans. I think it's funny the thought of an 8th grade Hans Olsen probably pushing two bills. He's <laughs> sitting in and being babysat. You guys let me know when you're done so I can finish my story. Tell us more about Dolores. Anyways. Her husband, Don, liked MASH. Sitting next to Don on the couch watching MASH. <laughs> hey, Don, hey, you can-, can I borrow your shaver? <laughs> Catch Hans and Scotty every day on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio. Bob, good morning. Hey, guys, how you doing? We're doing well. Golf is back, baby. Isn't that nice? <laughs> Couldn't be better. How many hours did you watch? You know, um, I watched a lot on Saturday, on uh, the, the early part of the week, Friday Saturday, or Thursday, Friday. Um, some on Saturday and some on Sunday. I was playing a little golf tournament yesterday and Saturday myself in the afternoon. Keeping tabs on things, but uh, the first couple of days I watched a lot. So what did you think with the no fans? Obviously, that was new. You know, um, I, I was telling Brian on, on our show this last weekend, 
everything looked the same to me as far as golf is concerned. You know, guys hitting shots, hitting the ball close and stuff. There just were no people on the ropes and no cheers and and that kind of thing. They, you know, they're at at Colonial Country Club. They had they're on the back nine. They had people have brought in some bleachers so that family could watch from their front porches or their or, the, or their backyards um, across the street or whatever. And you heard some claps every once in a while, but for the most part, no fans. And, uh, and it was kind of weird, but, uh, but golf, competitive golf is back. And in the next two or three weeks, it's all going to sort itself out. And then we're going to see um, fans at Jack's tournament Memorial. So as you watch them play, I just couldn't help but think, you know, as all of these sports come back, what are they going to look like? You know, how much does this offseason matter to the NFL and how much do they just have to have these, you know, mini camps because they're making a lot of money and there's time available. How, you know, how quickly is basketball looking to look like basketball? But golf, you naturally socially distance and it's an individual sport. So that'll pretty much pick up where they left off. And isn't that basically what it looked like? They picked up where they left off. Yeah, I think. I think so. I think it, I think it does. Um, you know, a lot was said about well, they're going to have um, they're going to have stuff at the at the at the tees and at the greens as far as um, you know cleaner and that kind of thing. Uh, you know, you've got to be careful. Leave the flag in. You know, you can you can pull it out, um, but you know, clean it off after you're done. The caddies can only carry the bag. The guys have to grab the clubs out themselves and stuff like that. But for the most part, it was normal. Um, you know, we didn't see the the hand sanitizer on the tees and the greens, um, and, you know, as far as shots and with the television were and that kind of thing. But we saw the guys, you know, staying apart. Um, for the most part, uh, the caddies were cleaning off the clubs, you know, cleaning off golf balls. Um, it looked like what we would see with normal golf. And, and I think because it's outside and because it's the type of game, it's an individualized sport. We're going to continue to see it. And, uh, and, and it's going to look more and more normal as time goes along. What did you think of the little thing they had between the nines of the microphone there and the camera and players speaking into it as they were basically in the middle of the round? Well, I, you know, um, they do some stuff like that on the PGA Tour Champions where they'll talk to the players as they're walking on the fairway. Um, I, I think uh, they were trying to do some things to yeah, make the broadcast a little bit more lively. I know Justin, or not Justin Thomas, but Ricky Fowler was mic'd up a little bit. Um, and I think we're going to see more of that as, you know, you know, times are changing in this world uh, with everything that's gone on. And I think to be more interactive, um, I think, you know, some players are going to be mic'd up as they're playing their rounds and stuff. We saw it happen with with a couple of uh, exhibition matches over the last few weeks, you know, with Phil Mickelson and Brady and Tiger and Peyton Manning and, and the guys the week before him. Um, and and I think it's good. I, I like hearing what's going on. I like the interaction, interaction between the player and the caddy as they're figuring out what they're trying to do and where they're trying to hit the ball and, and you know, if a putt breaks a certain way, that kind of thing. I think that's all great and, and, and interesting stuff for the fan that likes to view golf. So I think we're going to see more and more of it, PK. Um, and, you know, to get, to get the guys' feelings when they're coming through nine, you know, some guys are going to be happy about it. Some guys aren't going to be happy about it. But uh, for the most part, I thought it was good. 
Is this going to uh, is this trend uh, going to continue into majors or are the stakes so high there? Whether it's a microphone and a camera at nine or wearing something in, uh, during the round, it's just not going to fly. Yeah, I don't think it'll happen in major championships. Um, maybe it could happen in like a Ryder Cup setting, um, but as far as majors are concerned, like you said, the stakes are way too high. The guys are not going to want to be bothered with anything like that. And, um, you know, you're talking about a green jacket or a U.S. Open trophy or a British Open trophy, Claret Jug, or, um, you know, or a PGA Championship. Um, so I don't think that'll happen. But, but if, if, I, if it creeps in anywhere, I think it's going to be in the Ryder Cup. So what would you think about Hercules DeChambeau averaging 345 yards off the tee? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Does he look thick or what? I mean, I saw pictures of him from, from a year ago to this year, and, you know, he's put on, golf. like, I know he's, he was boasting he put on 20 pounds of muscle during the three months they were off for COVID. And I know in, during the off season last year, he put he boasted putting on twenty pounds. So he's he's saying he put on forty pounds of muscle, and I'll tell you what he's proved it with how far he's hitting the golf ball three hundred and forty five yards, and it's it's pretty scary because he still has his touch. Um, he's he's hitting a lot of good shots. He put himself right in the mix of everything, um, and had an opportunity to win the golf tournament. But uh, he's just hitting the ball so far; it's crazy. So, well, you got to have 525-yard par fours then, right? That's got to be, just become routine on the PGA Tour? Well, 500-yard par fours are, are routine in, in uh, especially major championships. Um, yeah, uh, you, you've got, you got a couple of those every time you play a golf course in a major championship. Um, they, they stretch them out as far as they can, and and put those in there because the guys are just hitting the ball so far. Uh, you know, you look at a guy like uh, Jordan Spieth. A few years ago, he's hitting two, I think he was averaging around 290, 294, something like that. And this week, and yeah, it's dry and the fairways are running a little bit and that kind of thing. But he was averaging like 315, 317 off the tee. You know, that's, that's almost, that's, that's over 10 yards further than what he's normally used to. And so, you know, the guys are the guys are getting stronger. They're working out hard, um, and they're able to uh, transfer that into how far they hit the golf ball off the tee and how close they get to the greens. Okay, so I'm reading a story by Colin, well, not by Colin Montgomery. It's quoting him, and he says, I'm an advocate of what Jack Nicholas proposes, a tournament golf ball for professionals that goes only 80 to 85% as far. The time has come because we can't build, keep building courses at 10,000 yards. <laughs> and he goes on about that, and I'm sure you're aware of it. What do you think about that, though? Well, I don't think golf courses will ever get to 10,000 yards. That's a, quite a bit of an exaggeration. Um, I mean, you look at major championship courses when they tip them out, you know, they might get to 7,800 yards. Um, you know, I, I would say, you know, 8,000 8, to 8,500 yards is probably going to be on the extreme level. They're not going to ever get close to 10,000 yards. Um, but I understand what they're saying about the golf ball. The problem I have with it is if, if you limit a golf ball to 85% of where it's going right now, the long guys are still going to have the advantage over the short guys. The short guys are going to hit it shorter, and the long guys are going to still be able to 
um, to hit it out there and get it get it close to the greens. So, um, you know, you can't fault a guy for going out and working on his um, on his physical strength and everything to try to be able to hit the golf ball further. And because that's where the game's going, the game's going towards that that bomb and gouge uh, where you bomb it off the tee, and if you hit it in the rough, it doesn't matter because you're closer. I think what you have to do is condition golf courses and make them more difficult so that when a guy does not hit a fairway, it becomes more penal for him to get the ball onto the green. So I think setups where fairways aren't as wide, where rough is thicker, um, where it's it's harder to extract the golf ball out of the rough to get it onto the green and to, and to help it stay on the green. Um, so they just can't be throwing darts and, and, uh, and hitting shots out of the rough close to the hole to make a bunch of birdies. So I think um, it, it has a lot to do with golf courses. It has a lot to do with the player, but you can't fault the player for, for becoming stronger and, and more physically fit. That's just the, the nature of the game. I think uh, rolling the golf ball back so far is it would be a, a detriment to the guys that are playing on tour. So you think that means kind of what we've seen at the Masters where they've been known to plant trees or bushes or whatever, or you think hourglass fairways where the landing area is pretty, pretty wide and safe at 280 or 290, but out at 310 or 320 there's a trap or deep rough. That kind of stuff is what's going to have to be done? Yeah, you're, you're just going to have to uh, put – Make golf courses um, become more <laughs> become more difficult off the tee. Um, like you said, um, DJ, you know, um, make it so that if you're going to try and cut a corner or something like that, you've got a bunker out at 320, um, or or a series of bunkers that start at 300 and go out to 320. You know, two or three of them. Um, I know that Bryson DeChambeau was 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 carrying the ball 327 to 330 off the tee this week. And that's, I, I mean, that's, that's crazy how far, that, how far the ball's going. But I think you do things like you said, hourglass shape, not just straight, um, straight line fairways. Um, I think, uh, I think you, just, you just make it a little bit more difficult where guys have to think a little bit more on how they get their golf ball around the golf course um, and uh, and make it equitable for all the players in the field, the guys that hit it short as well as the guys that hit it long. So Spieth had a hot streak, and we all saw that. But yep. Spieth as a good player is real, but Spieth as a superstar is a false narrative. Well, you know, um, currently I, w- I would agree with you. You know, you think of him in 2015 when, when he won the Masters. He won the U.S. Open. He had a chance to make it into the playoff and miss the playoff at the British Open, um, and he finished second at the PGA Championship. You know, that's that's a crazy, stupid year in, in in the game of golf where he had a chance to complete the career Grand Slam all in one year, and. Then, uh, you know, you, you see he's got two out of three major championships. The only one he needs before getting the career Grand Slam now is um, is the PGA Championship. Um, you've seen, we've seen him play phenomenal golf. He's a phenomenal putter. Um, and I think the off-the-field off, off 
um, time during COVID-19 for the three months, I think, did him extremely well, shooting 65, 65, 68, one shot back, and then unfortunately he didn't play well in the final round and shot 71. But uh, but I think we're going to see more of him. Uh, yeah, top 10 finish this, this week coming off of not really playing all that well all year long. And I think we're going we're gonna to start seeing more of him. It's a great week this coming week. With, uh, they're playing at Hilton Head at, at Heritage. Um, and um, this is a golf course that, that lines right up with him. He's going to play again this week. There's going to be a, you know the top five playing again this week. We're going to see a lot of guys, a lot of good players over the next little bit because the schedule now is stacked between now, June, and all the way through September with um, with a major in August, a major in September, the Ryder Cup in September, then the Masters in November, and guys have to get themselves into the into the um, Tour Championship and the playoffs by the end by the end of the season. So guys are going to be playing a lot of golf, the best players. So basically, what we're saying at Spieth is he can be a star, but he can be Phil. He can't be Tiger. Yeah, you know, the thing about Speed Jordan is he's young enough that um, you don't write him off right now. Um, he's not in his superstar category right now, but Jordan Spieth is a guy that can carry the torch for the PGA Tour, just like Rory, just like Justin Thomas, just like, uh, you know, Brooks Kepka, um, possibly Tony Finau if he gets on a run and starts winning golf tournaments. Um and uh, I, I don't think Jordan Spieth, you can count him down and out. Uh, I think he's, he's a guy that's going to come back. He's going to work hard at it, and he's got plenty of time. He's got 11 tour wins and three majors. He's 26, so he does have a lot of time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got a lot of time, and he's a guy that's going to get to that milestone of 20 wins on the PTA Tour where you become lifetime exempt. The most recent to do that has been Dustin Johnson. I could see him getting to, you know, can he get to 5 and 40? I guess we can discuss that. Maybe he can and maybe he can't. But that's Phil. And then Tiger's out there at 15 and 82. Yeah, he's not getting 82. There. Yeah, yeah. He's not getting there. You know, both both those guys, both those guys of course are uh have had remarkable careers, especially Tiger. You know, he's uh he's he's trying to get to where Jack was and he's already gotten to where Sam Snead is. Um, you know, Phil if Tiger wouldn't have come along, Phil probably would have won a lot more tournaments. And he's over, he's over forty with, with the amount of majors that he has, with only a U.S. Open to try to get his career Grand Slam. But for any of those younger guys, there's too much. There's too many young guys in the game that are phenomenal players. You know, Rory's at 18 wins. Um, Jordan's at what 11. Justin Thomas, I think, has 12. Um, you know, these guys will all pull wins in every year, and um, and it's going to keep somebody from just really bombing out there and getting 30 or 40 wins, I think. Bob, we appreciate it as always. We'll hear you Saturday morning on Real Golf Radio. Sounds good, guys. Thanks. I appreciate coming on with you. Bob Casper, Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio, Saturday mornings on the Zone Sports Network. Follow Bob on Twitter at Real Golf. DJ and PK coming up. Steve Cleveland in about 15 minutes. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Has the hands on the club. Slight forward press. Rolls that ball up. And he missed it. Oh, he missed it. From three feet away, Kawa has missed it. And that means that Daniel Berger is the winner of the Charles Schwab Challenge. He collects 500 FedEx Cup points. Berger is back. And so is the PGA Tour. There's the Chevy Strong play of the game. Know it today. 450 on the big show, and you can win fabulous prizes. All right, PK, you brought up a good point earlier in the hour, and I've been looking for the exact quotes, and Yach was searching for them during the interview. Um, we were discussing uh, players in the NBA who've gotten political, players who want to play, and players who don't. Dwight Howard came out thinking, hey, he said playing now is a distraction. It would distract from the Black Lives Matter movement and the social justice issues, and we shouldn't be playing. And that there was a call Friday night, and obviously uh, multiple players, LeBron included, uh, have got issues they're working on, and they've gotten political in their social media. And you were bringing up, well, what would happen if there was a jazz player who was really good and very political and irritated a big chunk of the Jazz fan base. How would the Jazz fan base really react? And we have been looking for the specific posts on Instagram, and neither Yach or I have been able to find them, and Yach spent that whole segment doing it. But if you want to go in and try and dig it up uh, yourself, one of the listeners, it's, uh, you can go to Instagram and go to Utah Jazz, and they posted uh, Black Lives Matter. He does have the option of deleting his comments. They may have been deleted. So that is also a possibility. There's a lot of back and forth. There's, uh, I don't even know how many, a couple thousand comments on this. Uh, it'll be interesting going forward. It would seem like it's just a matter of time till it happens, right? I guess the question is, how big a star is the player and how political are the comments? Oh, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, let's go to the level of what's been out there. Where LeBron, he's afraid to walk out of his house. That's a strong, and he's, he's done many things. That He's done that many times. So take it to the level that's already out there that we've seen from some players doing their thing, right? And, and how, it's the level of uh, politicalness, I guess, has already been established. I mean, and not everyone is going to do that, but somewhere along the line, somebody's going to be moved to do that. And how would this community receive it? Because they haven't had to to do that, basically. They've stayed in line. Or the coach. How about the coach? Suppose he uh, turns out that uh, he shares the political beliefs of Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich. Those two. And we got, uh, we either got, what, uh, about seven, eight months of uh, more outrageous criticism, or we've got seven, eight months and four years of outrageous criticism. (laughs) Depending on who wins in November, obviously. And so, how about that? How about if Quinn Snyder came out and just said, this freaking guy in the White House is an imbecile, man. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't know if that's his personality to do it. Maybe it is. Maybe, you know, to your that's point, you've point. got to win to do it. So Jazz fan now is like, well, if uh, with Popovich's five titles or Kerr's three titles or LeBron's three titles, we'll cross that bridge after three championships. Oh, great. So, so sell your soul for winning a title then. It doesn't really matter. If, he's, if he says things that I vehemently disagree with politically, as long as he's won titles, who cares? Jazz fans, you can react to that. You can tweet at us, at David DJ James, on Facebook, DJ and PK. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, when we come back. Brandon Averett, who's transferring from UVU to BYU. He already transferred from Oklahoma State to UVU. Now he's going to BYU. We'll talk with Brandon coming up at 930. Stay with us.